But just just count so far this whole service as part of the Word of God, right? We're living some of it out. Um, you know I'm a long-distance runner, but I can still pull off a sub-seven-minute mile. And uh, we just changed shoes to my track shoes, because <laughs> we're short on time. Um, Galatians. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to run. Father, thank you that your word is alive and active, that your word resides in us, and your word transforms. I thank you for the scripture we're going to look at this morning and the transformational work that you do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so week two of Galatians, we're in chapter one still, and this chapter really is about the transformation that Paul is talking about in his life. So if you go back to last week, we talked about four F's, that there was, first there's faith that brings freedom, that gives birth to the fruit that we are to live out, and then there's that flesh that seeks to trip us up. And Paul is adamant about his call and his message that he's a legitimate apostle and his gospel is the gospel. And then, so there were those who were seeking to trip him up. There's a fancy word called Judaizers. They had in their heart that in order to become a Christian, you first had to become a Jew, like a prerequisite, like a, a prerequisite to classes that you had to take later on only to find out you didn't need to take the prerequisite. And you're like, what did I do that for? But nevertheless, they felt that circumcision, especially, was essential to salvation. They taught that the law and the oral traditions that were passed down to them were definite prerequisites in order for Gentiles to believe and belong. And so Paul is adamant that that part of the message is utterly wrong. And so these zealots that they were and their sense of legalism were dead set on having their way, and that's what's taking place in this letter, these two camps. And so Paul addresses this, with this transformed life, that grace changes everything. That the message that he's writing is also the transformation that takes place in his life. So as much as he's saying, I'm writing to you about these things, he's going to be telling us, and look at my life, because it's proof that what I'm writing and what I said is true. It's the power of grace in our life that transforms us. And so he says in Galatians 1, 11 through 24 is where we're going to be looking at today. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Right? Paul's defense. The origin of what I'm telling you does not reside within me, does not reside coming from other people. The origin of what I'm telling you and who I am comes from God. He says, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ, that it wasn't man-made. He didn't receive it from a specific person being discipled by them, nor was it a school of thought that was handed down generation after generation after generation. Such was the oral tradition of the law. That these people said, no, you must adhere to these things as well in order to become a believer. You must become a Jew first and then become a believer. And he's saying, that's not where I received my message. Not from any school, not from any person. I received it from Jesus. 
see, when we go to see his testimony in Acts chapter 9, we see what he's talking about. That on the road to Damascus, as he was going there to destroy the church, Acts 9, 3 through 6, as, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul, and Saul asked, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And he replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must be, do. Right? That in the midst of going to execute letters from the commission that was given to him to put people in jail and to tear down the church, he was met with the resurrected Jesus Christ. And see, one of the realities of what's going on here in Acts chapter 9 is that treason usually carries a death sentence. And here was Paul, for the people of God, being treacherous and destroying them and then coming upon the judge of all judges, but instead of receiving a judgment, he receives grace. Have you ever been in that position where you are dead set on doing something against God and he confronts you Instead of that judgment, there's that offer for grace and repentance. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I resonate with part of this story with, with Paul, and you're going to hear a little bit more of that in a minute. But there were some things that, that, that I did in my life that I was not proud of. Um, there's a couple things I probably have never told anybody outside of God. But I saw them as treacherous to his kingdom. And so when I read this scripture, I'm reminded of the grace of God in my life because I should have been sentenced as for treason. But instead, God gives the grace to transform a life. And here he sets the Apostle Paul apart to go to the Gentiles in verse 15 of Acts 9. He uses another disciple and says this, go this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he will have to suffer for my name. So here is God at work and in using other disciples to come to Paul's life and say, here is your calling, now go. Go. Go back to these people with the message I'm giving you and be faithful. So back in Galatians, he tells this story. The before element. He says, for you, you heard of my previous way, my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church, the church of God, and tried to destroy it. Right Before grace got a hold of me, this is what I was doing. I was advancing in Judaism well beyond my age, of those around my age, and among my people, and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. He's saying, hey, before grace got a hold of me, I was the top of my class. I was doing it. In fact, he was living out what these people were saying you had to do. He was in that camp. They knew who he was. He was the top of their class. 
before grace came along. Paul shares more of his testimony in Philippians 3, 2 through 11. And it says this. He says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision and we worship by the spirit of God who glory in Christ Jesus. And we put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason and confidence. If anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Right? So here's his pedigree. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found from him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but what which is through faith in Christ Jesus, that righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And he's saying, hey, look, my testimony is this. I was doing it. I was doing what you're saying. It didn't produce righteousness. And then God got a hold of my life and radically changed it. Because he goes on in Galatians, he says, but... But when God, but when the grace of God appeared, but when I was on that road to do what I always did and the resurrected Jesus stood in my face, but when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased, when the grace of God showed up and transformed my life, a transformation takes place. This is the plan of God all along. He set Paul apart from the very beginning. And he called him to go. It was empowered by his grace. And this change from legalism to grace. And I understand that because that's my story too. You see, for the first 20 some odd years, 22 years, I was about as legalistically righteous as you could get. Some of my friends would have even told me, like, no, you were the most righteous person among us. I'm like, if you'd have seen my heart. And then as you know, that there was a three-year gap where I took a, a, a sabbatical from God, and I was in this relationship with this non-believer, and I, I was zealous. I was zealous for her. Zealous to the point where your mom and dad, my mom and dad, when your mom, as a boy, can't get you to change your zeal, you know your heart set in one direction. And I wish my heart was. It wasn't until six month period every night that God would meet me in my bed just tapping on my chest. And then as you know, three different times in three different places, three different pastors calling out the same scripture that I was so zealous to not believe. And I relented because the grace of God showed up in amazing ways.
story of Paul. It's my story too. And I'll be honest, the last 30 years, it is hard. It is so hard to change from from legalism and following the rules to, to allowing grace to rewire everything about you. And then add on top of my story, the fact of the New England side of me that comes from this New England mindset that you do it. And it's a perverted way of Protestant, um, what's the, work ethic. You put this Protestant work ethic that's American born and bred in New England, you put that on top of somebody who's trapped in legalism and their zeal cannot be derailed. That's who I was. But the grace of God showed up. Who had a call on me, I believe, since before I was born. But it's that grace that grace that rewires us. Why? Because God desires to reveal his son in us, to transform us, to change us. Paul says, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach among the Gentiles. Are you kidding? A legalistic Jew who would walk on the other side of the road to avoid them. Go through Samaria? Are you kidding me? Now I'll go because grace radically transforms the heart of a legalistic person like nothing else. He says, my immediate response was not to consult anybody, right? He's dealing with a heavy thing, transforming everything about him to the core. He says, I didn't go to see anybody. You know, Judaism didn't contribute anything to the godliness in the life of Paul. It produced the very opposite. It has the power of the gospel, which transformed Paul from a persecutor to a preacher. That's the power of grace that grips our hearts when we allow it by faith. So that I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me. But instead, I went the opposite direction into Arabia. And later, I returned to Damascus. I think what he was dealing with was so significant and so to the core. I believe he he just went alone to sit and reflect and three years of rewiring. To let the Holy Spirit just rewire all of that information that was here that was knowledge and memorized of the word of God to get down to the heart transformed by grace so it could be lived out for the glory of God he says I I didn't go to anybody this was so significant I needed a three year timeout, so to speak so the Holy Spirit could work in me what was not working before Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. I stayed with him for 15 days, right? 15 days. You're like, is that a long time? Is that a short time? To be persuaded, <laughs> Paul, that's probably a short time. He's like, I should probably go meet some of the other guys, right? I should be acquainted with them. So he goes up to see Peter. Maybe Peter backfilled in some of the stories of like what it was like to actually walk with Jesus, 
He says, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Why? Because he wants to tell these people, look, what I'm telling you does not come from other people. It is the message of God. He says, I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. That I went to Syria and Sicilia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report that the man who formerly persecuted is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. The grace showed up so significant in his life that it turned a, a persecutor into a preacher. To somebody who was so zealous to follow the traditions of their fathers, to set that aside by the grace of God and come to know the good, good father. But it was by grace. It wasn't a rule. It wasn't a set of rules. It wasn't living up to an expectation. It was none of the traditions that were passed on to him. It was the grace of God that broke through that day on the road to Damascus and said, what are you doing? Who are you? And you're persecuting me. Right? It wasn't just the body of Christ he was killing. When he stood there and watched Stephen be stoned and approved, guarding the cloaks of the people who were stoning him. Yeah, you deserved death. I deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and it comes by grace. So on that day to Damascus, he was dead set with his zeal, and God said, I have a different thing for you. I have a different life story. I have a different eternity. I have a different call. And I have this message of Jesus Christ to put in you to tell those. So they had no idea these things about Paul. They knew formerly this guy used to bust our chops and now he's breaking bread with us. What's up? It was the grace. The grace that met him on the road that day. Did they understand what took place, what was taking place in his life? I don't know. But they knew that formerly, before grace, he was dead set in this direction. But when grace broke through, he was radically changed for a message of what he went through. That same message of grace. And they praised God. That the witness of Paul's transformed life brought about praise in the people that used to probably fear him. Because of God. That God transformed him. And he took that zeal and he was able to change that. And he's going to talk about that later in this letter, but the zeal... What were some of the things that you were so zealous for in your old life? Were people able to persuade you away from that? My mom couldn't even get me off my mark. But the grace of God changes everything. 
Father, we thank you. We thank you from this word of Paul, this this testimony of your sent one. That amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But you so love the world that you gave. Even those who are against, your grace is so strong to change, to include for the four. God, for those of us in this room and those online who have been changed by the power of your grace, God, strengthen us to walk by your spirit as we'll see later on. That our life would bear the fruit of the spirit. That there be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I see Paul that way. I don't know if Saul was that way. But you, you bring about a transformation, a change that is eternal. Lord, as your body of cedars, we would lift up the Alvarez family to you in Ensenada. For Rachel and her five daughters. God, that as they come in that house every day, they're reminded of the grace that transforms. And we lift up the prayer of Jasmine for that for that family that their father may be restored to them. And we know that you are a good, good father who gives. And you give a grace that is amazing, a grace without limit, a grace that has no end. And then you call us to be sent to go and declare the grace of Jesus Christ. Help us. Because sometimes, Lord, our fears get the best of us, but increase our faith. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for just a wonderful day of worship. Um, I'll be honest with you. After some previously building with a more, I wasn't always <laughs> so ready to go back like right away. But just watching that video that I finally got yesterday from Shania. So if you're watching Shania, thank you. Like I'm ready to go back now. So um, pay attention. Stay tuned. We'll be going back somewhere soon. And uh, thank you for your participation in the in sending a team to Ensenada. All right. So today you have a chance to go out these doors to our mission field until we figure out where the next short-term mission trip is. All right? Have a great day and we'll see you later. My past became my prison Love was waiting with the key My story was my failure now my story is redeemed. Oh.